One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Absock. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is our News and Cues episode. We'll talk Star Wars news, and we'll talk Star Wars cues. Star Wars cues being questions from our listeners. As always, we got a bunch of great ones, Ken. We have a great, uh, great questions today. Uh, some uh, some uh, long-form uh, essay questions that uh, <laughs> always kind of test my, uh, what, what can I... What do I know on a Monday morning about what I feel about Star Wars? And I love that stuff. And we're also going to talk first reactions of Star Wars Squadrons, the game 
that has come out and uh, worked its way into the fly boy and girls and people's hearts all over the Star Wars fandom. But before we get to that, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible and get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, one of our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us, Life Adventures. Uh, Joseph, uh, where do you even begin on Life Adventures? <laughs> but, uh, how about Star Wars Adventures, too? Yeah, yeah. You know, when we started talking about Life Adventures, uh, life for, I think, everybody, us and listeners, was, you know, going along with its ups and downs and its challenges, and then there'd be an adventure you'd have, uh, and then we'd share it. But now it feels like for, I think, almost everyone in the world, life is a constant adventure. So we should almost change it to life calm. Did we have a moment of life calm this week? I love that idea. <laughs> almost. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had uh, lots of uh, fun stuff, actual fun stuff going on with various uh, uh, writing work and, and uh, some quality time uh, with my wife watching some uh, fun uh, non-Star Wars content and all sorts of different stuff like that, but nothing major, nothing like real uh, specific this week. Uh, Star Wars Adventures, actually that is, it's kind of a life adventure in a Star Wars adventure. Uh, so I have three calendars in my home. Uh, mm -hmm. Every every holiday, every Christmas, my wife buys me a small office calendar for right above my desk. And uh, for many years, she got me a sloth calendar. And it's like, oh, that's great. And then this year, she's like, I, you know, I want to switch it up and I want to get you a Star Wars calendar. And then uh, she was like, OK, I'm just going to be honest. I got you both. So I have <laughs> two calendars right above my desk. And then um, the last time I saw Rise of Skywalker in the theater at the old Arclight, I bopped over to the old Amoeba and bought a big uh, kind of traditional wall calendar for Rise of Skywalker. So that's in the kitchen. So every uh, first day of the month, I switch three calendars. I always know exactly what time it is, what day it is. Uh, so the sloth this month is named Chewbacca. <laughs> oh, nice. Just hanging from a branch. Very, very uh, Baby Yoda the Child vibe staring at me. Uh, the Star Wars small one is a Last Jedi poster kind of it's got a nice mashup of styles but it is mostly a huge snoke head staring at me <laughs> so i got a sloth and a snoke at my office and then when i go into the kitchen where the big rise of skywalker is uh each month is a main character and then there's a slogan and it's, hmm. it's usually it's really fun like a uh finn said rebel 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 three times like cool awesome great uh this month it's a picture of actual chewbacca it says Chewy, and then for the Wookie, and Chewy looks confused on the calendar. <laughs> like, what does for the Wookie mean? Is that what <laughs> Chewy is saying? Somebody else is doing something for the Wookie. Is that a rallying cry of like? <laughs> and Chewy's kind of looking like, you know, I'm I'm still here, and I'm the Wookie. You don't have to do anything for me. I'm here, and I can do it. For the Wookie, <laughs> yeah. Chewie's almost like I'm not. I'm not gone yet. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, so that was my life adventure, looking at all those calendars and enjoying the strange rhythm of energies uh, between all of my calendars. I love calendar synergy. <laughs> exactly. So, how about you? What uh, life adventures or Star Wars adventures did you have? I mean, I'm trying to find some life calm. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> been a fun week, been a hectic week. Uh, real world, uh, we can put that on a shelf and uh, talk about that on another podcast, right? Uh, and the, uh, a lot of stuff going on. But I yes. uh, uh, have um, 
uh, you know, I got that, that we got the live show, not I, we, Mark Riley's uh, live uh, Riley's Cantina coming up. We'll promote a little bit at the end of the show. Special guests, including uh, you, sir, and uh, Jennifer Ooh. Linda. Got uh, company from that. So uh, we're going to have some uh, contributions from both of you that uh, I've seen and love, and it's going to be a fun show. But, you know, you know, preparing for anything that's a live uh, event or a stream or a thing, it's just uh, I'm having flashbacks to like, um, sketch shows. <laughs> yeah. All right. Where's my bathrobe? I need that. I need a candlestick. And a <laughs> what else do I need? Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun, if not creating, uh, uh, you know, so a fun a- additional layer of work, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll, we'll talk about it at the end of the show. So in that kind of chaos and putting all those kind of things together and still doing all the other shows, I did find my moment of calm. I, uh, we, this, this is something you and I have talked about. I think we've talked about last week, but you and I share this trade of, Walk inside a target, always turn left towards the toy aisle. Always <laughs> the toy aisle. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you want to go in, uh, you know, we're masked up. We're trying to be quick and efficient. And, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time in a, in a box store right now. Um, but, but I went in and, and I, I made that turn. And I made that <laughs> turn last week, right? And there was nothing really there that I wanted. Made the turn again. And there sitting was the last. It was it. That was the last one there is the Black Series two-scale um, Baby Yoda, the child, I should say. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, and um, it's similar in size to the Porg one, which I do have. Uh, it, it's it's so tiny, uh, but it's to the scale of a six-inch figure, so uh, a Mando would hold it, hold it, and it would look accurate. comes with the, the little uh, soup cup, the little uh, the ball from the navigation, uh, from, from the Razor Crest uh, stick shift, so to speak, and a frog that does not fit <laughs> into his mouth. Uh, and I just, you know, price to go at 10 bucks, which I'd say is a, is a, a, a hefty price for this tiny, 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 tiny piece of plastic. But what are you going to do? And it's the only one there. If there had been eight, I would have been like, oh, I don't need it. But when there's one left, you know, <laughs> it's calling to you. It's yours. So I got yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I I have two of that figure that I've ordered from Amazon. And if I mm. saw it on the shelf, I would still buy it again. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, Grace wants me to open it up and I, it's so tiny, I'm afraid to, but I understand wanting to open it up. I just want to hold it in my little hand. I know. That's why I bought two and I'm, I'm going to open the other one. Uh, but that silver ball is so teeny tiny, isn't it? Right. Like, like I'm used to uh, parts of action figures, accessories being choking hazards for humans. It's weird to be like that ball is so small. It is actually a choking hazard for my action figure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I kind of want the frog out, too. The frog, the little space frog. <laughs> anyway, so I did that. That's a little moment of calm, a little moment of uh, Star Wars action figure therapy. And it was uh, it was great. So uh, there you go. There you go. And we are going to dive in on Thursday to the child and go into all all about the the child mania, baby Yoda mania. I'm looking forward to that conversation. <laughs> and I wouldn't be lying. Uh, you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say I should say that. I got that in maybe 10% because I figured it was justifiable for, for Thursday's show. Oh, yeah, you had to. You had no choice. Destiny brought you to that moment, and you had to choose the child. Yep, had to. Had to. <laughs> Very, clear. Very clear. So that is our Star Wars life adventures, our calm adventures, and, and more. We're going to dive into the news, though, here right now. And this headline is pretty simple. Star Wars Squadron's first reactions. This is not a review here necessarily of the game or of the story. Just Star, Star Wars Squadrons came out. Um, 
Friday, Thursday, you know, technically depending on where you were time zone wise. Uh, for me, it was 9 p.m. Thursday night. The game downloaded and I, I, and I had the uh, the counter going. I didn't t- intend to. I just brought it up and I was like, let me check. Oh, it's got like a cool countdown. I'm just going to leave this up on my screen. All night. <laughs> um, Joseph, I know you downloaded it a little bit later in the weekend for you. Uh, did you have a ceremony when you downloaded uh, yeah, I, I poured a uh, large glass of whiskey that could last me through the entire download of the game. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, uh, you know, going back to days where I would have to go from store to store to see if they physically had the game that I wanted uh, and ask the Target on employee to unlock the door sometimes uh, oh, to yeah. get the video game and all that, it is amazing that it can just be like, uh, you know, I had such a, a busy weekend that it wasn't until late on Sunday night. And it was like 1130. And I was like, mm. this is amazing that I can just hit a button and a new Star Wars video game will download. And like, oh, yeah, but I do have to wait a half hour. <laughs> <laughs> such a long half hour. Um <laughs> We are going to uh, read some reactions from uh, some people we know in the space, but more importantly, read reactions from fans in our Discord server, which uh, is uh, you can access through our Patreon page. Uh, This game uh, inciting a lot of uh, passion, and I'm going to read some of them here, Joseph, and we'll react to what people have to say. Our friend Alex, Alex and Molly over at Star Wars Explained, they've been having a lot of fun playing the game. No secret, Alex is, uh, he's a fly boy. He's a mustache wearing fly boy. Uh, his stash squadron is going strong. And he wrote, <laughs> uh, he says, yes, I'm still obsessed with Star Wars Squadrons. The final game is fantastic. Addictive, fun, and immersive. Playing with friends is everything you'd want it to be. Our pal, hello, Greedo. Uh, he said, this blasting an enemy starfighter head on and flying through its smoldering metal guts while ripping through the other side of its fireball at full speed might be the most GD satisfying thing in a video game. Stop. That one. And then uh, Rule Cully, who is a a great cat. I met him years ago in Jedi Lions days. uh, Big Star Wars fan. This is the kind of stuff uh, he loves. And uh, he says, uh, I want to give a huge shout out to everyone who worked on Star Wars Squadrons. Thank you so much for all your hard work. This is Rogue, this Rogue Squadron and X-Wing fan is very happy right now. Amazing. Hearts, hearts, hearts. So uh, and I know a lot of people want him to be Ezra Bridger. So there you go. The adult live action Ezra Bridger. Early thoughts there from uh, from what they're saying, Joseph. Ed, 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 blowing up a ship and going through its fireball. Pretty satisfying, no? Absolutely. I mean, that is, I think, one of the great things about video games. You want that balance between the challenge and just the power fantasy, the thrill. You get to be in the world you love. And it is so great to hear people, uh, Hello Greedo in particular, they're really expressing exactly that of like, I've seen it on the screen. Now I get to not just watch it, I get to be it. And that's really thrilling. Yeah, I like that you said that. Just kind of something growing up, we all, uh, you know, get pulled in by that pew 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 on some level and, you, and to kind of live that in a safe environment in your couch uh or your game <laughs> chair it's good um i'm gonna read some of our uh our, our listeners here some of our force center listeners have uh spoken up and spoken out about their love of this game and i wanted to share their passion uh shinton kensai says uh my son loves it i'm awful at it I'm so awful. I've yet to even start story mode and instead play the training sims over and over. Still, it's pretty cool. 
uh, Andrew McNatsonabu fighter writes, uh, my first <laughs> reactions are that I love the detail, passion, immersion, and being part of the boots on the ground in the air story that isn't always front and center in movies and TV shows. I won't lie. I'm not great at it. But my fingers <laughs> don't always follow my brain's instruction. So it'll be a while before I venture online to get mauled by eight-year-olds the world over. But it's two thumbs up for me so far. At least that's what my brain is telling my fingers to do. Uh, Chris <laughs> Alexander, a.k.a. Django's got a mango. As someone whose uh, favorite part of Star Wars has always been the Starfighters and their pilots, this uh, game is special to me. Uh, better, more complex controls than the old games and a solid story to get immersed in. Plus, if the developer plays their cards right, this could be a great eSport with a high skill ceiling, which actually is a, a great point. I could see some, uh, you know, squadron teams being uh, form up and playing at Madison Square Garden. Uh, we got some more on the way, but Joseph, I want to ask you there. There seems to be a theme emerging. This game could be a little difficult to master and not everyone is mastering it. <laughs> yeah, I think it sounds like to me the triumph of this game might be something that we talked about when it was announced and when its price point was announced is mm -hmm. that there is a power in specificity, right? There is a power in saying, you know, it's not just going to be an add-on level to, a, you know, hey, here's like Battlefront is. Like, it's, mm -hmm. hey, you can do all these different things. You can fight with a lightsaber. The the first, the, the story is mostly a first-person uh, shooter or in a third-person shooter, depending on what you set up. And then we also have ships. And it sounds like the power for people with squadrons is not only is it just ships, ships, ships. Uh, I get to be a starfighter in mm -hmm. Star Wars but then also drilling down into you're in the cockpit, you're making those kind of choices uh, that are that make you feel like you're really in that world, that it mm. is not sort of a you know point and shoot with your ship, that you're really making those choices. And I think there's just that power in specificity and that is rewarding uh, the game makers and the players and their reactions. Absolutely. And we got more. Thomas Streeton says my favorite with a U. So he's not from these parts. My favorite Star Wars game of all time is X-Wing Alliance. It took the great X-Wing sim format and added a moving story about betrayal and joining the rebellion. It was brilliant. So far, Squadrons is equally brilliant. Engaging story so far, not finished yet on Mission 8, with some interesting characters. Fisk and Von Reg, excuse me, Frisk and Von Reg are standouts for me. Really good voice work and design throughout, especially, but especially for them. Flying is immersive. There's that word again, Joseph. And fun. I hope to be playing this for some time to come. Now I'm off to do a little something I picked up from my pal Needles. Thank you, Thomas. <laughs> uh, Nick Hopper, a.k.a. Smitty the Werb, says, uh, fun side story. Great lovable characters, real challenging, but fun gameplay. One of the best times I've had squadding up with friends. Feels like a real spiritual successor to the X-Wing tag games of old. If you get more games like this in Fallen Order, then we're in for an, uh, a treat. Tim Van Newland uh, says, experiencing this game in VR with great headphones is a must for any Star Wars fan. It is truly a fantastic immersive experience. When I'm playing the game, I feel I am really in one of the fighters. The story is a fun one. It feels very familiar. If you've had read any of the Alphabet Squadron's books, I can see myself playing this game for a long time. Playability and replayability, Joseph, coming up in these comments here. That word immersion, not joking. It, it does make sense, good or bad. And I, you, know, you and I will give our thoughts a little <laughs> bit. You're in that cockpit, and you feel as though you're in that cockpit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is really immersive uh, when you accidentally run into something and, and the glass on your cockpit immediately cracks <laughs> in a great way. Uh, I am criticizing my own uh, abilities as a pilot right now and complimenting the game design. 
Yeah, a few more here. Utini, Utini, right? It's only a bit into the game, and I wish this was made when I was younger. I'm enjoying the campaign. I love that the game rewards skillful flying, but I can't spend that amount of time, um, that much amount of time on the game. If the game truly does reward skill in the multiplayer aspect, I can see this game having a lot of legs, which is only good for Star Wars. Greer writes, I grew up on Rogue Squadron on the Nintendo 64, so this game is right up my alley. The learning curve is pretty steep, but I'm having a lot of fun adapting to first person and swapping the power around. Uh, put a pin in that one. Uh, we'll come back to that. The campaign didn't quite grab me as much as Battlefront 2 or Jedi Fallen Order, but I still really enjoyed my time with it. Some of the set pieces are designed very well. I'm not going to spoil, but I love the one in the Y-Wing mission. Oh, yeah, definitely put a pin in that one, too. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons writes Ver uh, Baron Von Creepio, a.k.a. Scott Farmer. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons is a wonderful upgrade uh, take on the dogfighting to U.S. games of old. The ships are all uniquely balanced in terms of their roles and enjoyability. The campaign isn't as long or as deep as the old games, but it features a wonderful in-canon story with lots of cool new characters, as well as great cameos from fan favorites and lots of wonderful Star Wars lore nuggets sprinkled throughout. We talk about the story uh, a little bit here uh, so far. Uh, again, first reactions. And uh, we have uh, Mason Harris, a.k.a. the number one Captain Tarples fan, writes, I'm awful at it, which is probably indicative of how well it is uh, made. Piloting ship is hard, and the characters and the way it's tied up in the other post-Jedi storytelling is really neat, especially in the Easter eggs department. You can tell the creators, for the most part, know their stuff. For the most part, know their stuff there. Huh? Uh, any thoughts there, Joseph, on what you're hearing in those comments? Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, uh, curious to see uh, th this is a really interesting balance in, uh, in reactions of, it sounds like people ha are at those different levels of skill, different levels of previous experience with games like this, with all of the shout outs to the, uh, X-Wing and TIE Fighter games. And it's really fascinating that even people who are like, I'm not great at this, or <laughs> I don't fully have time for this, but I recognize what a triumph it is, and that's therefore good for Star Wars. It is great to hear the range of reactions, but all still staying uh, really positive. Yes, yeah, a lot of passion for this here. last couple of reactions here, and then we'll uh, give our own here. Our friend Alden Diaz over at Octo Radio says, this is such a peculiar peculiar experience because I'm absolutely awful at the game thus far, but having a wonderful time. There's a unique double-edged sword of play here where sometimes a movie and tech accuracy can even cause uh, can cause a lot of frustration, but can also make things beautifully cinematic. My favorite part of the game thus far is the story because I'll always be a stories game's first guy, but I'm growing to love the multiplayer PS U-Wings with ion cannons are my preferred flavor. And Anthony, uh, who calls himself a Poe Dameron wannabe, says my only reaction is that every night, since the game has been released. And after we put our daughter to bed, I immediately turn to my wife and ask permission to jump in an X-Wing and blow something up. So there <laughs> you go. Now we're immersive. Uh, that, yeah. Uh, so going, uh, kind of transitioning into our reaction, Joseph, I'm right there with Alden that I am, I'm not particularly good at this game, but uh, every time I kind of walk away from it, which um, I, I can walk away from it kind of easier. Yeah. It's not one of the things where six hours later, I'm like, Oh, I'm still playing after about 20, 25 minutes. I might start to be able to walk away from it. But when once I do, I'm like, yeah, but I bet I could do that better. <laughs> yes. uh, what are, I know, uh, I know uh, you and I are, are not as deep into the story as others. Uh, again, this is our first reactions. But to the gameplay, you and I, I don't know, I got sick from first person. I don't know about you, but uh, what, your first time in the cockpit, what did you, what, what did you experience? 
Yeah, I, I think it's a big adjustment for me because I didn't uh, grow up playing any of the uh, X-Wing or TIE Fighter. I was a big uh, Rogue Squadron fan, that first uh, game for mm-hmm. the N64. And then uh, Rogue Leader for GameCube, uh, I was remembering that they actually put the game out like a week before the uh, the actual console. So like I remember having the physical disc for Rogue Leader and staring mm. at it, knowing there's fun in there, but I can't get to it yet. Uh, so on one hand, I, I have a history with the flying games, but I've really been conditioned for uh, the, the third person. Mm-hmm. So the first person is a big transition for me. So my experience of the gameplay right now, and is really, I guess, the experience of the game is I am loving the characters. I love the way the kind of storytelling is designed. It almost feels like a, like propaganda, like you get these great, you know, I'm not spoiling anything because it's right at the very beginning. You get great messages from Vader and from Leia that are really well delivered. And then it kind of transitions in those graphics that almost looks like posters that the Empire and the Rebellion might be producing. And then you meet the other characters and... I every time the mission begins, I'm so pumped because like, yes, I mm. want to kick ass for <laughs> the reasons that have been laid out for me by the characters I love. I care about the mission, which I think is one of the best things a video game can do. That's what the story is for, I think, to make you want to destroy or to save. And then I get in the cockpit and I'm like, I'm spinning too much and I don't know where I am. I got shot and I thought I put the more power into my... Uh, shields but actually i put more power into my engine and i flew into some like i'm not good at the game yet i i could i only got up to like uh the second half of the first mission started Mm -hmm. to give me more of the controls where i realized like oh now i get turning a little bit more now i get uh you know deploying things uh to to blow up the missiles and it i just i played for about two and a half hours until about 2 a.m last night as we're recording this uh and it was just getting to that point of like, oh, I, I'm just starting to get a handle on the controls enough to see how addictive it could be. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, you know, the, I, I keep making and have been making jokes about first person versus third person. I just I, yeah, I, it's not that I haven't played other first person games and been OK at them or anything like I'm thinking Goldeneye, for example. You know, yeah, I managed that one back in the day. I it just. Yeah, it's something about seeing. It just orientates me a little better. I'm having whenever I have to fly for the the New Republic, I'm I'm good. I, I I'm I'm good to go. When I have to fly for the Imperials, I get sick to my stomach. That Tie Fighter, and I think it's actually how well that Tie Fighter is designed. I feel like I'm in a little bubble, just looking down on the world, <laughs> and I do find myself, even though I can control the spinning a little bit more, and that's one of the things that it does kind of start coming along for sure. But you get to, you get you lose orientation really fast. There's one particular mission where, you know, there's a, a star destroyer there. And like, I keep having to go back to it and turn my ship just to reorientate, orientate myself. Cause it was, I was starting to feel that little, uh, a little tingle in my throat that was like, you're getting sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess I think for people who are naturally adept at uh, piloting or have played games like this before, I think they immediately unlock that power fantasy uh, that mm-hmm. Hello Greedo uh, summed up so incredibly well. And I think for those of us who are on a learning curve, it is like, yeah, it's it's actually like being a pilot because <laughs> if you just got in a real life uh, jet, you'd probably get sick too, right? Yeah. yeah. Be more than one button to press. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I like all that. I like the controls. 
Uh, and, and you know, like any video game, you start getting better as you go along and you start to enjoy it. I, Fallen Order was that for me. Like, I, you know, oh, now I can climb walls and everything. Yeah, that, I, I totally know what you're feeling too, Joseph. You're like, oh, great. Now I can cut my engine power fast or whatever I, I need to do. But I was, uh, wasn't struggling. I don't want anyone to think I had some negative thoughts. I just was like, all right, this is great. I'll come back to it. And then there was the, the one moment and, and um, Greer mentioned it. I think we're talking about the same moment to Y wing moment for me as a Y wing fan though. It was just, it was really organic. It was like, this is the moment I got to, you know, flip on my side and drop some bombs. And I went, Oh, that felt good. I, <laughs> like, that. I like that. It was a little bit of that star Wars uh, fantasy indeed going back to 1983 and playing with my, my Kenner Y wing. So that that's why I know I know the game has succeeded. It, it's it's pulling people in on those levels and the story. Um, good characters, uh, really intertwined with Alphabet Squadron. And you and I in our review of Alphabet Squadron, Joseph, uh, the, the the second book, you brought up the great point of like, how does it feel to be playing, uh, reading a book that you know setting up a bit of a video game or has something to do with a video game? I, I forget the exact way. Yeah, it. yeah. Well, spoilers for Alphabet Squadron, the the second book. So if you don't want to hear it, uh, listeners, just uh, fast forward 30 seconds because I'll be quick about this. But yeah, there's that part in Alphabet Squadron where Hera, uh, you know, leaves uh, to go help Vanguard Squadron and then everything falls apart for Alphabet Squadron. So I know for me, when Hera shows up in this video game, like, I'm just gonna be thinking like I'm so sorry Hera's helping me, but you, you, you in Alphabet Squadron, you're screwed. Sorry. Yeah, especially yeah, mm, yeah. You're totally right. There's some thoughts of like we're good here, Hera. You can go back. <laughs> and great to see you, Hera. But uh, Alphabet Squadron is falling apart right now. Um, well, thank you. I, I, one thing I wanted to be sure to say: two things that I really loved. I absolutely love Frisk uh, when. Mm-hmm. When we saw that there was going to be a Trandoshan, I was uh, thrilled by that. Uh, I had no idea this until this weekend when it dropped that uh, mm. a friend of the show, James Arnold Taylor, was voicing Frisk. And I, he does such a great job. And I love the character's backstory. So I'm just, uh, I just, I would be happy to crash into things for a long time just to spend time with Frisk. <laughs> right. Uh, I also really like the naming the characters right away. Uh, sometimes that's not my favorite thing in a uh, in a game when you have to do a ton of setup before you start of customizing your characters. But actually, I got really excited when I gave my Imperial and my Rebel, you know, uh, dumb names that I could enjoy. It really worked. I felt invested of like, I want to do a good job for these uh, two people who I have yeah. named. So now they feel like they are mine. <laughs> Trust me, as someone who's created maybe over 300 baseball players from MLB the show and treats them all like my children. Uh, (laughs) I'm there with you on that one. Yes. The customization is a good thing. Uh, We are, we're not quite sure at this point. We might do a a story review a little bit later on. We're going to finish the story and see where our thoughts lie, but definitely some interesting stuff, interesting characters uh, full of references and those references that kind of make you smile. Like I know that thing. I've seen that thing and that other thing. And it's maybe in mention here. And that is definitely kind of fun. So uh, I want to thank everyone on our discord page who shared their first reactions. I just loved seeing all the excitement for the game. And even some of our listeners who are like, "Yeah, it's not for me. They're, they're enjoying that. Everyone else is enjoying it. And and that is a good thing. Star Wars having positive vibes attached to anything that it puts out uh, is a good thing. I think we would agree, Joseph. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, I want this to be successful. Even if I play through it and I never become the great uh, master that some of the other people are at, at flying mm-hmm. in this kind of game, I want a a cheaper price point, slightly shorter 
game in terms of the uh, story mode campaign to be successful. So they are encouraged to make other games that are a very different play style or play in a different little pocket of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Agree. Uh, I, uh, a question uh, got put out there about what our, our Force Center Squadron name would be if we formed up a Force Center Squadron with us and the listeners. Uh, we got a couple great uh, suggestions here. Uh, squadron 3 so uh, is, a, is a good one there. But also <laughs> Whiskey Squadron and Well Said Squadron. <laughs> I like Well Said Squadron. Uh, you know, I know I, say, I talk about Adventure Serial and, and Pulpy all the time. So I think Pulpy Squadron would be accurate because <laughs> I'm going to crash a lot and be a horrible actual pulp. Yes. Oh boy. And my final thought, my final thought on this early, you know, uh, I got to get better. Uh, the skill level I play at, I try to go like pilot. I always try to have a little bit of a challenge, but I don't want to have to break controllers. Right. Um, and it's been challenging as it, as it should be, but I, I have switched to the story level. And there's been a couple of times where I wish there was a little bit more difficulty to the story level where I'm literally just camping outside of my target and just hovering and shooting it until it explodes. Uh, uh, you know, so I, that's on me to get my skill level better so I can enjoy more of a challenge. Um, so we'll see there. Uh, that's our first reactions to Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, thank you again for everyone who shared those. We'll move on here to Star Wars News uh, D23. This is the D23 Expo uh, from Disney. That's usually every other year, roughly. Uh, they have moved it to 2022. Obviously, uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic lockdown kind of uh, reasons there. Understandable. It is going to be now September 9th through 11th, uh, 2022 at the Anaheim Convention Center. And what's interesting about this, Joseph, is it puts it right after the rescheduled Star Wars celebration, which is supposed to be on August 18th to 2000, uh, August 18th to uh, the 21st on 2022. Now, there was a lot of talk about uh, will this shutter celebrations? Will they have to move celebrations? Uh, this is possible, but it should be noted these events generally shared the same year before many times, 2015, 2017, and 2019. It just was there was distance, a little more distance between them. So um, it's that close time frame that could be causing some to think celebration should move or could move or would move. Uh, so I'll start there, Joseph. What do you think about this idea of these big conventions being back-to-back and what that means for Star Wars and Star Wars news? Should they move? Yeah, I don't think they need to move right now. I mean, I think we always, uh, many times, the quote from Yoda gets brought up of always in motion is the future. And I think with what's going on in the real world, man, the future's really moving, you know? <laughs> This is not like a normal time because like these conventions are about what's coming next and about generating enthusiasm and excitement. And not only is there the, you know, boy, we all hope that we can gather again as soon as possible and certainly as far out as these conventions. Uh, But then there's also the what is what is there to announce? Right. And I think that's probably what people are reacting to is, is there enough to to announce? And I, I think so. I think Star Wars Celebration has the advantage of being about Star Wars, uh, both in the past, you know, celebrating uh, anniversaries or near anniversaries or, uh, you know, even a Star Wars Celebration could have a theme uh, some year and celebrate a particular aspect of Star Wars. Um, there's so much that gives Star Wars Celebration value. And I think Star Wars in D23 is always going to be sort of how Star Wars fits into the 
larger Disney plan. Like we got that the last D23, we got that big Obi-Wan reveal and we got that cool timeline uh, that they put up. But all of that was in the context of D23 was really celebrating. Here's what's coming on Disney Plus. Right. So it was really from that. Here's how Star Wars uh, works into the Disney master plan. Right. Right. So I feel like even though from an outside perspective, it's maybe like, oh, that's a lot of Star Wars news drops close together. I do feel like the kind of news that's going to be talked about is is different. Yeah. And right. And then it's like when you when I'm listening to you say that in my head, my because my I'll start here. My initial reaction was like, wow, that's that's really close. But then I, I, I'm thinking about it. I mean, look at the news cycle. We're at, we're in a 24 second news cycle. <laughs> so right. any information released in August, they could release almost something similar with a tweak in September. And I'd be like, brand new information. <laughs> um so I think it's going to be okay. And, and, and again, again, what you're saying, what they're revealing and how they're revealing it. And, and D23 is definitely, it's not a star Wars convention. In fact, the first one I went to, uh, I was like, this is, there's a lot of Disney, you know, Daphne, uh, D- duck pens, Daphne duck. Yeah. Daphne duck. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm having, I didn't have my, my coffee this morning. Um, you know, it's a Disney convention. It's a Disney expo for sure. So uh, I, I get the reactions and, uh, you know, but I, I think, I think you're right. I think it's right. That's how they phrase it. What is, what is, the, what is the true value of celebration? What is, yeah. the, what is the value of that? Cause yeah. I think it's a great value, but what do you think it is? I think it is, uh, it, I think it has many values and that is its value. I think it absolutely has a value of just community, uh, I, you know, particularly, yeah. Uh, the one that we went to, the last one we went to in Chicago was just such a wonderful experience to just kind of remember that the internet isn't the world. Um, mm-hmm. In that when you're there in person with people, you see that celebration, you see that love, you know, that the trailer for Rise of Skywalker dropped and, you know, there are plenty of fans who weren't sure about the title or weren't sure about Palpatine returning, but it just kept being a conversation. Like, People just saying like, oh, I'm not sure. I'll I'll be okay with it depending on how it works. Why do you think that in it was a conversation between fans instead of yelling on the internet? Uh, not that we can't have pleasant conversations on the internet, but I think we all know mm-hmm. that sometimes it can tend toward the negative. So not just that, not just celebration, but actual discussion. So I think the community value of it, if you're physically there, is huge. Um, obviously, the the big panels with news of any uh, new stuff coming out, trailer drops, that's all great. The other huge value I think it has that sometimes doesn't make itself clear immediately is smaller panels that end up being substantive interviews with creators and actors that Mm. kind of end up being the comment of record. And sometimes we don't even know it at the time. Like uh, this past summer, the uh, Star Wars show did that great compilation of significant uh, interviews or discussions from uh, celebrations past and got some of this like really great stuff from Lucas and really great stuff from Filoni. And I think Star Wars Celebration does that not only with those big name creators, but actors as well, where you can look back and go like, oh, wow, we were at that celebration in 2022 we were all losing our mind about the trailer for Taika Waititi's uh, film, right? And that's what we talk about now. But maybe there'll be this, you know, interview 
with, you know, who knows? Maybe Oscar Isaac comes and there's a one on one with Oscar Isaac. But and we look back a couple of years later and go, wow. But he said some really fundamental things in that interview that we don't really reflect on until later. And I think that's one of the big values. It is partially creating the oral history of Star Wars through some of those panels that aren't as flashy at when they're first, you know, presented. Right. Yeah, there aren't the big uh the big rallies. There's a, a lot of those big panels are really just rallies and they're fun rallies that I'm so happy to have been a part of or, or experienced or seen the highlights of. But yeah. I like what you're saying. The quieter intimate moments. What's the, you know, 2017, a lot of memories in 2017. Yeah. You know, I've seen Mark Hamill do the, you know, tribute to Carrie Fisher on a smaller uh, setting, uh, you know, big still, but just a smaller, more intimate setting with some real emotions. You're right. That, that was the, th- that was kind of the feeling of that year. Uh, beyond just Last Jedi. It was like we had just lost her and everything. So yeah, I like what you're saying there, that uh, it's the big picture. Uh, it's not just the the wonderful highlights. It's everything that's everything that's there. Yeah, everything that gets archived and can grow in value. Grow in value. So we'll keep you updated on this. Uh, you know, I'm Anaheim Convention Center, man, they just redid it. It's uh, They're ready just to stuff us all in there when we can, when it's, when it's responsible. <laughs> so... This makes some sense that uh, they like uh, weird look weird times unprecedented times we that might include having two big conventions weeks apart <laughs> yeah be okay final story of the week uh, but a bit of a sad one but we always want to celebrate uh, the empire of dreams director and producer kevin burns passed away he was 65 he directed and uh, like i said produced the 2004 documentary empire of dreams the story of the star wars trilogy he also produced the 2007 documentary star wars the legacy revealed this one goes more into the connections to the big myths and uh ancient myths here on earth and everything and how they factor and um, fuel star wars but uh, no doubt empire of dreams is one of the more popular documentaries uh came out uh, like i said 2004 attached to one of the uh, dvd sets you can stream it now on Disney+. Plus. I mean, this is one of the ones I don't shut up about. I sometimes put this one on just as much as uh, any of the movies, just to get a feel <laughs> for it. I really love um, I really love it. But wh- what is your experience with that documentary, Joseph? And, and what do you love about that or any of these Star Wars documentaries that go into the myth that we love? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, I'm sorry to hear of uh, Kevin Burns uh, passing 65 is really young. Uh, very excited to learn about Star Wars The Legacy Revealed. I didn't know about that. And that is so up my alley uh, to have an, a documentary that is about the uh, connections to real world ancient myth and storytelling. So I'm going to uh, seek that out uh, and watch that. And partially because I love the material, but also because I so deeply love Empire of Dreams. I have visceral memories of watching it because that uh, set in 2004 was fascinating because it was even it was the at that point the even uh, more special edition (laughs) where there are more changes so that was a fun discovery and you know when you get those sets you never know of like oh okay you made a big new documentary great is it just going to be everything that you know has always already been on starwars.com repackaged and I remember just being blown away uh, in watching it multiple times uh, watch it again recently on Disney Plus with my wife. And I, I think for me that, you know, that documentary is about the making of Star Wars, but it is shockingly honest and mm. shockingly critical of Lucas uh, at different times. And mm. for me, that big takeaway that, you know, it's called Empire of Dreams and Lucas either encouraged or allowed it to mm. be shaped 
for Lucas to compare himself to Vader and mm. double down on that with the title right. <laughs> of the documentary to say, I always wanted to be independent. And in order to be independent, I had to build this studio in this world that I feel a little trapped by. And in order to, <laughs> you know, defeat what I hated, I kind of had to become what I hate. And that's just like, wow, that is beyond like, <laughs> how did you choose to make Bib Fortuna look like that? Like, it's so far beyond making of it, so far beyond. Did you know that the Gamorrean Guard actors got really hot in the desert? Like, it is so far beyond that into the emotional truth of Lucas and this really interesting, fascinating to see that Lucas certainly imagined himself, I think, in the beginning is, you know, Luke is, he's the young man in Modesto looking at the single son, <laughs> dreaming yeah. of adventure. And, and here he gets to have it. And then he sees, starts to see himself as Anakin and as Vader. And it, it, I always think of this documentary whenever we talk about the Vader no in Return of the Jedi that he recently added that is one of his last changes along with McClunky yeah. before he, he signed it over to Disney and just thinking about how fascinating it is that is that no, if Lucas in his mind cast himself as like, I accidentally kind of became Vader. I, I became this thing. I didn't want to be in pursuit of what I did want to be, you know, and how much did he add that? No. Cause that's how he feels of like, I'm, I'm reclaiming my control over myself and my identity, and I'm being a Jedi, and I'm letting go of Star Wars. Uh, but first, I'm going to add, you know, my character, Vader, saying no and doing <laughs> the right thing. <laughs> Lucas is Vader. An interesting, an interesting thought. Yeah, uh, yeah, good, good stuff there. Well, well said, Squadron, indeed. Over this documentary, <laughs> and it just it flows so nice. And you're right; it 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 goes beyond. I think even by 2004, we we just you know behind the scenes knowledge for star wars fans is is just commonplace you grow up with it it's it's like you know being a fan of your favorite band you know what they did in the record and in, in the recording studio for that record or you know what they were wearing that concert you know it's just we all know those details and we celebrate those details and so i think this one when it showed up it was like okay yeah cool let's do this again and then i just was blown away by the story it told and and the struggles and i love listening to alan ladd jr number one he's got a very quiet, calm, unintentional ASMR style. <laughs> he really does. Even when he's talking about conflict, yeah. <laughs> it is like corporate yeah. office ASMR. He's like, well, they they made some bad decisions and um, then I had to take the blame and I was let go. And I was let go. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it just was pulled in and, and it retold a story that um, I was familiar with and it retold it in, in a way that I, I felt I learned something new. And so that comes from the director, uh, Kevin Burns, and we thank him. We tip our cap to him. And appreciate the work, and yeah, definitely check out Star Wars Legacy. Doesn't doesn't get talked about as much. It's not as it's not as sexy, right? As as Alan Ladd Jr. getting fired, or George, you know, struggling with dialogue, and Carrie Fisher there making comments about it. It's but it's uh, equally as good, and uh, deserves a second look. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do a force center and focus on the Legacy reveal. That I haven't seen it in a long time myself, so it'd be good. We love our Star Wars documentaries. We absolutely do. And Empire of Dreams is one of the ones that all other documentaries are compared to. So uh, with good reason. Uh, rest in peace, Kevin Burns. All right. We are uh, done looking at Star Wars news. The second half of the show will take your questions. Before we do, we want to do our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what do we have? 
Uh, well, since everybody's mind is in their cockpits, we are recommending Alphabet Squadron by Alexander Freed. There you go. Get into the cockpit and fly, my friends. Download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash four center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash four center for your free audiobook. We'll take a quick break, reset on the other side, your Star Wars questions. This is Four Center. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. Welcome back to Force Center, episode 259. If you can believe it, what a journey this has been. And we are going to be looking at your questions. And Joseph, what do we have this week? Yeah, just like always, we've got some great questions from both Twitter and our patrons on Patreon. So we're going to go to Twitter first uh, from Todd C. Todd asks, how did Palpatine know Padme died in Revenge of the Sith? Unless, of course, he did use her life force to keep Vader alive. And then an interrobang, question mark, exclamation point. Uh, this is a great, fun question. Uh, it's definitely a question of timing. And, of course, alluding to this uh, fan theory that uh, Vader was kept alive by Palpatine draining, uh, force-stealing the life force from Padme to give it to Vader. So, uh, Ken, let's, I just want to take your temperature because we haven't talked about it in a while on that general, uh, I'll call it force steel theory. Uh, how do you feel about that? And then we'll get into the kind of the, the how did he know what, when the yeah. question that Todd's asking. But, but what's your general temperature on Palpatine involved in the actual passing of Padme? You know what? It is like a real life conspiracy theory to me. I am always <laughs> interested I'm always going to listen and more than listen, I'm going to look into it and go, I could see. Yep. I see what you're saying. I get it. But then at the end of the day, <laughs> it just takes a turn, Joseph. I feel, and by the way, Todd C, this is not, this is a general comment. This is not about Todd C asking this excellent question. I feel some many conspiracies I'll say are just something we kind of want to believe because it forces us or allows us rather to not deal with the truth in front of us. <laughs> And sometimes it's just easier to say, well, there's got to be. And look, I think sometimes there is a there's got to be behind some stuff. I can, again, I follow the path. I've never really bought into this theory. I think there's a lot of things you can point to and say, oh, yep, it tracks. It could be, it could be, it could be. But that's what makes a good conspiracy theory. I, I've always just been, no, uh, Padme lost the will to live for a lot of reasons. Not my favorite reason for her to die, uh, obviously, uh, you know. I get, I get some of those critiques uh, outside the story. But in story, I just think that is the answer as far as pa uh, Palpatine knowing. Well, we'll dive into that. I don't know if I have that perfect answer, but that's my overall thought. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on a lot of this. I, that's very interesting to compare to a conspiracy theory because I think that that's the same thing of like, I don't know, it, it answers questions that there's definite ambiguity in the movie. I don't entirely trust a, a random a medical analysis droid that uh, that droid understands <laughs> that mm -hmm. wasn't able to do a scan for the will to live. That was this, that, that <laughs> medical uh, analysis droid comes out and goes, like, well, I did my actual job, which is medical analysis. There's no physical reason. So um, I don't know. <laughs> Here's some head cannon. <laughs> that's a, that's a doctor just guessing. It's a doctor just going like you go in for some, you know, cause uh, your stomach is upset and the doctor doesn't know why. And like, 
uh, I don't know, uh, this guy eats too many burritos. Do you have any evidence for that? No, it's just that you don't know the other answer. Yeah. Um, mm. So I always I always go to that, that the medical analysis droid is not necessarily uh, has the correct answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like, I'll call it headcanon. I like the headcanon that there is something mystical, something force-related going on. I can totally see uh, the idea of the headcanon theory that Palpatine is draining Padme's uh, life force uh, and giving it to Vader. I think there's even some interesting rhythms with uh, Rise of Skywalker where he does appear to have the force steel power uh, that he is sucking the essence uh, out of, the life force out of Rey and Ben Solo. Um, But I agree with you. I don't see evidence in the film. Like, I've watched some videos and I think they're, they're well done, but I think that the evidence isn't really there in the film. I think the film is, is letting it be ambiguous. And I think that's, a, a for me, the way I like to approach it. Uh, with Todd C's question, I love this question. Yeah. Because Todd is trying to actually get some evidence from the film itself, which is the timeline. Uh, as we know from, you know, watching Revenge of the Sith a, a few times, that there's the intercut between Padme giving birth, Padme passing away, and uh, Anakin going through, uh, or rather Vader at that point, going through his horrific uh, surgery and becoming uh, full Vader. Um, so what what are your thoughts on Todd's actual question? If you and I are both, uh, let's say, skeptics on mm-hmm. the <laughs> Palpatine uh, drained Padme's life force from afar theory, how do we answer Todd's question? I think Sheev could have the ability to feel that one out a bit. He's got some force powers, right? He's tied into a lot of things. If he's feeling a dark energy out in the unknown regions at one point in his uh, illustrious career, he could reach across the galaxy and say, yeah, I'm feeling some disturbance, right? Uh, on surface level. Time-wise, again, how, at what point, we don't know that it's announced. Uh, Padme is a public figure in this world. Uh, we know she has a funeral. So, uh, you know, again, they... They're playing with the timeline. I like to think that those two events, her uh, giving birth and her unfortunate death and his uh, becoming uh, trapped in that Vader prison are happening at the same time. But it's just not necessarily how it works all the time. This is the big Game of Thrones thing. Sometimes you think the very next scene is what happens and it's three weeks between it and you kind of overlook that when you're watching the story. So maybe this... uh, you know, uh, maybe this had been uh, news on the Holonets. Padme of Naboo dies. Or follow me on this final one, Joseph, and I'll let you uh, speak more intelligently on it than uh, <laughs> no. a non-conspiracy theory mind. Maybe he just guessed. <laughs> yeah, maybe he just lied and was like, hey, great, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's like, I'm just going to tell him what we'll do. And again, going to the idea of like why I don't, tremendously love the idea of him taking her energy and, and putting it in, into him. It, it, it works for Palpatine. It works for the dark side of the force. It works for the Sith, but it just takes some of the responsibility away from Anakin. I hmm. think he and his actions killed her, it, it, both those on the surface and those in her heart and in his heart. Yeah. So I don't want to take that away from him. I don't, I, he needs to be held responsible for that or feel responsible. That's part of the pain. That's part of the journey. So that's some of that too. Uh, maybe going back to the beginning of the conversation, but yeah, there you go. 
Yeah. He maybe didn't know he guessed. I don't know. He might have guessed. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're I'm in agreement with you about why I'm not sure that it is my favorite theory is because, again, it takes just like you said, it takes some of the culpability away from Anakin. I think there's also something that I know that Palpatine wants Vader alive. He needs uh, he seems, you know, concerned about his fate. Obviously, senses he's in danger, goes to Mustafar uh, and, you know, kind of tries to fix up his damaged prize uh, that he's been working all this time. So I know that Palpatine, you know, air quotes, cares about Vader. <laughs> yes. But it, I would be more down with Palpatine stealing anything. Palpatine giving anything to anyone who is not himself mm. is, I think I bump against that a little bit. Like, I get the, the mm-hmm. theory of let's pour her power into you into my prize Vader so I can use him and manipulate him. But there's still like, it's still him giving something. Uh, so I think I struggle with that. Um, yeah, He's so-, so bad. He won't even keep his protege alive for evil means. I'm going to yeah. take a little for you, two for me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I think for the, the timing of it, when you just watch the film, it absolutely feels like it is happening too fast for a press release. Uh, but I think uh, since all of this is is in the in the category of headcanon, mm-hmm. you know, we see the mask go down, and we don't know exactly how long until the uh, the slab, the Vader slab, uh, rises up, uh, and and he asks Lord Vader, "Can you hear me?" Uh, if there is any amount of time in there, is it, kind of is um, brutal as this is. You know, Bale is, uh, I think the second Padme has passed. Bale has, he's a politician. Uh, Bale knows that he wants to put out there that Padme has passed, right? Uh, That is going to be important for hiding the twins immediately. It is going to be important for uh, controlling the news cycle, honestly, as the Empire starts, that this person who resisted the war... Uh, and this person who is a hero has political expediency. Uh, she's very famous. She is a well-known senator. The news would go out on the hollow net, and I think Bale would be, uh, you know, calling his uh, insiders at the hollow news agencies and putting a spin on this immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think that does require some headcanon because that means there's a little bit of time in between, but I'm totally on board with that and feel like it fits Bale's motivations. We know that they that there is uh, theater going into this. They fake her pregnancy. They're very aware of what they want to present to uh, the rest of the galaxy. It is a very weird picture to imagine Vader's on the table and Palpatine <laughs> gets a space tweet <laughs> that says Padme has passed. But it's possible. Um, I think. I think if I was going to pick between my head cannons, and, and they change all the time. I think there's something to me that is very spiritual about it that Padme passes as Vader is fully born. Uh, and there is something I like that there is some absolute, you know, uh, across the stars, total mm. cosmic, romantic, faded connection between mm. Anakin and Padme. Um, and I don't think it's a dyad. I think that's described as something different. I think they say explicitly in Rise of Skywalker that it hasn't been seen in generations. But knowing there's a dyad and knowing all the different ways to interpret the force, that is there some bond between them where Padme does certainly have the will to live as she's dying. She is still hopeful that 
she's not hopeful. She knows that there is good in Anakin. But is there something that she just can't live um, mm-hmm. if Anakin is gone? Or even another headcanon that uh, the medical analysis droid, again, is just wrong. And she is giving her life force to the twins. Mm-hmm. Um because the you know this is not a really <laughs> great uh, moment for them to be born. Maybe they need the extra life force. And if there is something more unique going on in the force, like I don't think Palpatine is so attuned uh, to Padme that he could just at any point like censor and go, oh, uh, she's having breakfast on Moncala today. But I think if there's anything more involved going on with her presence in the force in that moment. Uh, that he could sense her death. And so I agree with your uh, mm. initial idea as well, that he could just sense her death. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and I don't know if they'll, they'll explore this ever, uh, you know, uh, um, and I'm trying to think of off the top of my head of any George quotes in, in response to this. I can't, I think can't think of anything, you know, who knows with, with George, it could be like, ah, I read about that theory. It's stupid. Or <laughs> uh, borrow at the mall and read that theory. Seems good to me. Like, I, I don't know, but um We'll we'll look into that too, but uh, maybe maybe we'll when that Star Wars archives prequel book comes out, maybe that will be the answer. Yeah, in that Star Wars archives book, we'll say it was Darth Jar Jar. <laughs> and the other thing is too, and this is I think part of Tutsi's uh, fun question here. I love that we don't know. I yeah, discuss it. Yeah, and it could be any of those things, and and I think having some open ended questions sometimes uh, is good. Uh, since we spent so much time talking about it uh, i think it is fair to say i love revenge of the sith uh, to death i wish there'd been a little bit more padme in revenge of the sith i wish there'd been a little bit more padme perspective and i do like the questions i do like the open-endedness but i also get the criticism where where people who are really connected to padme uh, feel unsatisfied with the ambiguity it's one thing to have amb- ambiguity from the emperor uh, and vader point of view another one you know if you're really connected to padme to have ambiguity from her point of view so i do sometimes feel that myself I'm like ooh, for, for the sake of padme maybe i would have liked some clarity or be open to clarity in the future from different storytelling there you go ek johnston you're up next <laughs> i think that is a big big possibility i also know that i did talk about this on star wars counseling a couple of years ago so if anybody's interested in digging up that episode uh please do but i'm glad we tackled it again because mm-hmm. you had some great thoughts about uh, conspiracy theories and Palpatine just straight up <laughs> taking a stab at lying. I guess. Uh, 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 she's uh, out to get groceries. No, she's dead. Yes, dead. Uh, all right, we're going to move on to our next question from Twitter from Laura M. Uh, Laura M says, okay, here's a random question. If you were accused of a crime, which character would you want as your defense attorney? <laughs> so... Who do you got, Ken? Who is uh, defending you in a court of law from Star Wars? I guess my what what kind of crime would be? <laughs> Look, we speaking of Padme, we've seen her do this with Ahsoka. Yep, I, I would say Padme could be a great choice. Uh, I I, I got to say, especially after diving into him, you know, he's not he's not my favorite character out there in Star Wars, but Grand Admiral Thrawn might be one to sit and make a you know convincing case for something or at least he'd speak and speak until you just go i don't know he seems to know everything uh, innocent um so I, I might choose then and then my wild card choice i don't want to take all the choices away from you just no, so please, no. uh, my wild card choice is uh, uh low gray 
great uh, convincing, um, you know, kind of skills. Uh, he's always in Sherpa's ear. So I'm sure he, he could stand up and, and turn people uh, into my side. Oh, yeah. I think he gives, he's, a, I think, a very, very influential speaker. Uh, very persuasive, Logre. Uh, yeah, I think partially because we have seen them in trial situations, my mind immediately went to Padme or Ahsoka. Like, I think Ahsoka is also a persuasive yeah. speaker and also knows what it is to be falsely accused. I'm assuming I've been falsely accused. Maybe I should change my answer if I've done an actual crime. <laughs> but I'm assuming. So I would go with like Ahsoka or Padme, somebody who is uh, very strong, very smart, uh, understands this perspective because they have been through it in some form or fashion uh, before. Somebody who is willing to do uh, the homework. Uh, this is one time where, you know, uh, I don't need Han flying by the seat of his pants. <laughs> so maybe if I charge the jury, no Han, no, no. Um, but then as backup, so Padme or Ahsoka, they're the primary attorneys. They're making the arguments and then just seated is a secondary attorney at the table next to me is Chewie and he is wearing a business suit, a total <laughs> earth lawyer suit. Cause I think that would just be terrifying. Look, we better let this guy off because what is that giant dog in a suit going to do? He's not even moving. He just he's just staring ahead. Just those blue eyes piercing every juror constantly. I love that. <laughs> I love that Great question, Laura. Uh, I think you and I are both going to be acquitted, Ken. Uh, I think so. I think so. Thank you, Logre. I'd love some frameable art pieces of our defense teams. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting there with them all around us. Yeah. Does Logre have a business suit? Uh, he has a tie. He has a tie. Just a tie. Nothing else. Yeah. Just and, and he's still wearing the skull hat. He's got a skull, a tie, and nothing else. Yeah. And a, <laughs> and a yellow pad of, of legal paper. <laughs> oh, he's jotting notes. Okay. Good. Good to know. Uh, we're going to move on to our questions from uh, Patreon. And as Ken said, uh, this is great. We encourage this in our patrons uh, that uh, they provide their questions in the form of an essay. It's great to understand uh, listeners' thoughts and where they're coming from. And then uh, have it be uh, thrown to us to see our essay answers. So here we go from Kyle Barrett. Kyle says, I have a what-if scenario that's been playing on my mind as of late. What if Mace Windu didn't kill Jango Fett in the arena on Geonosis? If old murderous Mace had stayed his blade and taken the bounty hunter into Jedi custody, would he spill the truth behind the Separatist plot? Even if the Jedi suspected or outright knew that Dooku was the one behind the clones at the start of the war, would they be forced to go along with it, with Jango as a begrudging ally on Kamino training clones himself? Or was his death part of the plan? And if Mace wasn't so cheesed off and didn't behead him, would Palpatine have had Jango assassinated to hide his machinations? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this Gordian knot of potential pathways. Great question, Kyle. Great options. Ken, where does your mind go first on the possibilities of Jango surviving that arena? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, I do love that moment. As brutal as it is, Sam Jackson, just that look on his face, just like, uh uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the turn back to go, yep, I did that. I cut mm-hmm. your head off. <laughs> I do like it, as brutal as it is. But it raises up some really interesting morality questions about how you win and all these kind of things that we, especially as you and I do the Clone Wars re- rewatch, comes up a lot. So my mind goes there. If he manages to not do that, if he does manage to caption, capture Django, uh, does Django spill it? I think it's likely that more likely that Palpatine has Django knocked off too. Yes, 
but also, you know, it's the consequences. Was that a Jedi thing to do? Uh, you know, you could argue defense knowledge was perhaps at play there. I don't know, but you know, it, it takes away the knowledge of, of a bigger plot. It creates problems for Boba Fett and spins him off. It's unintended consequences there. So you could dig deep. You could really dig deep or you just go, Hey, cool moment. End of, end of story. But no, I love, this is why I like this question from Kyle. I, 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 I don't see Mace doing any other thing, but, and I don't see, I don't see Django giving up the goods that easy, but I, I think you can make the argument that he shouldn't have done it. And that Mace shouldn't have done it. Yeah, Mace shouldn't have done it. Yeah, no, I, I feel like it is very much on purpose. If it was, for me, if it was just in, I mean that to, to, for us to question Mace's action. Yeah. Yeah. If it was just a cool action moment, I don't think we would have got that, you know, extra shot, which I love in Attack the Clones, of Boba Fett holding the Django's helmet up to his own. I think that it is a part of the the grand storytelling of the Clone Wars of when you fight, even when it's kind of necessary, even when somebody kind of pushes you and and you don't feel like you have any other options, but you have to, you know, push back and fight, uh, like Mace clearly feels he has to, that there's always going to be a uh, repercussions of you know every time you raise your sword that's the question of you know what repercussions are you going to get and the clone wars animated series deals with that with boba wanting revenge uh and that that spreading through the galaxy i also just kind of feel like uh, i feel like watching it it's absolutely like yeah give him a big strong force push and slam him into the wall and knock him out like y- you could have took taken him out another way uh it's always the way i felt about that and then I also just feel like it's a, a Mace Windu character thing mm-hmm. where, you know, I jokingly talk about the Jedi philosophy is, you know, verbal warning, verbal warning, cut off your hand, cut off your head. <laughs> uh, you know, go back to Luke's saying to Jabba, like again, trying to bargain with him again and again. They offered to pay him triple like they if, if Jabba would have taken the money, they would have just left. And like yeah. getting down to the literal free us or die because I've given you every other option. Um yeah. In many other great examples of that storytelling, I just like that Mace is a Jedi from his personal experiences, from his philosophy of he mo- moves through those steps, those bullet points a little faster than other Jedi. And he just feels like this guy is a problem. This is what it's going to come to eventually. So I'm just going there. And it's also ends up being great foreshadowing with how he handles Palpatine mm-hmm. with like, uh, I, I run through the bullet points in my mind and I know where this is going to end up. So I'm just going to go to the end. I'm just going to cut to the end, literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I like that that is Mace's perspective and you can have fun going, yeah. You know, would would Django have ever relented or been helpful or would it have just ended up this way anyway? And was he cutting to the chase? And even if that is true, you know, what does it say about the Jedi that that this one master Jedi right at the Clone Wars instigated this other cycle of revenge and violence so mm-hmm. all fascinating stuff for for kyle's specific question uh i think for me kyle nails it on the head i think that given what we've seen in the clone wars animated series of how much work uh sidious and tyrannus and the whole separatist uh machinery is willing to do to rescue new Gunray or keep various things hidden i think if the jedi had taken uh Django into custody on Geonosis, there would have been an immediate operation to hopefully rescue him, but if not, kill him. Absolutely, yeah. I don't. I don't think they uh, would l- risk him getting into uh, Jedi hands. 
Mm-hmm. And to your point, Ken, like we have seen on the Clone Wars, I think even if it did take uh, Sidious and team a little while to free or assassinate Jango, I don't think Jango's saying a damn thing to the Jedi. I don't think he likes Jedi. I think whatever his actual relationship with Mandalorians uh, is, uh, whatever his personal history with Jedi are, I-, I think he's really like, you pompous assholes who think you're everything. I'm not saying a word to you, and, you know, and you're not going to do anything to me. It, it, the interrogations would be a lot like his conversation with Obi-Wan, right? What are you doing? I'm just a simple man. <laughs> yeah, right. I just got hired. I'm making my way through the galaxy. <laughs> yep, it would be, you know, we get to see that with the new Gunray uh, interrogation scene. We're going to see other scenes as we rewatch the Clone Wars animated series of the Jedi, you know, struggling with uh, trying to get information out of uh, people who don't want to uh, share. Indeed. Yeah. Mm, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Any other uh, final Django thoughts before we move on to our final question? I mean, look, I'm not putting, I don't want to po- totally just say Mace was wrong. I get it. I think you're right. I think he, he cycles through and it is interesting that comic that goes into what he learned when he was young and maybe how this didn't work or this did work. And maybe that's part of why he's hesitating with Palpatine. All that stuff really works. And, it, and it's those fun, deeper questions I love ha- having. So sorry to be harsh on you, Mace, but hey, you know what? Them's the breaks. Yep. Uh, sometimes great characters make choices that are flawed to ambiguous. And I love that moment because it invites all these uh, fun discussions. Uh, mm-hmm. And for the record, I think Mace was right about Palpatine. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that was that's my vote that it was bad when Anakin went to the dark side. You know, sorry for the controversial uh, Star Wars opinion. We move on to our final question from Frank Geigler. Uh, here's what Frank has to say. Uh, what was Yoda's intentions going into his fight with Palpatine and why does Yoda leave in the middle of the fight? Initially, he tells Obi-Wan, destroy the Sith, we must. This makes it seem like he is going to fight Palpatine with the intention of killing him. But later in Empire, he tells Luke only that he must confront Vader, not necessarily kill him. So it seems at some point Yoda's opinion on how to handle the Sith, or at least Anakin Vader, changes. I remember watching this scene as a teenager and being amazed at the action and striking visuals. But now as an adult, and as your show has taught us, I try to look at the deeper meanings and ask questions while also still enjoying the action and visuals. Does Yoda simply leave because Palpatine is too strong and he wants Obi-Wan to come back with him to destroy the Sith? Maybe he has a vision or understanding that this is no longer his fight and the answer lies within the offspring of Skywalker. He says later, until the time is right, disappear we will. Or could it be a different reason altogether? What are your thoughts about Yoda's intentions in fighting Palpatine and then leaving in the middle of the fight? Uh, I love your show and thank you for all that you guys do to make the Star Wars fandom even more enjoyable. Thank you for the kind words, Frank, and thank you for the great question. There's a lot in here, a lot of different possibilities. But Ken, what is your basic uh, feeling about why Yoda leaves the fight with Palpatine? I mean, let's start with the what he says himself. He, he failed. Uh, he failed. What did, so what did he fail at? I... I believe he goes there to to take him out. I think there's part of my brain that's like, is it a bit of a distraction? All right, let me go to Palpatine. You go save Anakin. Then uh, that doesn't happen, and is that all kind of into it? But I, I think he just gets a sense to me, and 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 it's been a couple of weeks since I've watched the fight. <laughs> um, you know, I just it sense that Palpatine is 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 too powerful for him at this point. It's not necessarily a you know, back of the baseball card stats on who's more powerful, maybe more back of the magic, the gathering card uh, stats on who's more powerful at that time. But just that, it, you know, it, or, or who's more powerful 
overall, but I think in this moment, Palpatine is at his peak, right? This is a lot of things coming together for him. And I think there was a, maybe a miscalculation on Yoda's part on how powerful he had become. And that's why he, he was going to lose. He was going to die and he needed to get out to fight again another day. And there's great failures surrounding just a lot of the things that brought them to this point is where I, I keep going to a uh, lot of room for discussion, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the, the, those are all great thoughts. And I think in a similar place, I feel like when Yoda gives the assignment uh, to Obi-Wan to go take out Vader and for him to take out Palpatine, I think he means it. I think that this is uh, this line in the sand, this, you know, this Jedi idea that, you know, you can have tolerance for anything but intolerance and the, the, you can't meet the Sith halfway. You can't say, mm -hmm. could you just conquer and destroy half the galaxy? <laughs> like, and even that is, you know, not acceptable. So I think kind of going along with that discussion we were having about Mace of kind of when to use the ultimate force, I think uh, Yoda has every intention of, this needs to be done because the entire galaxy will suffer if it isn't done. So I think that he fully intends uh, to take Palpatine out. I think what he discovers through the course of the fight is just how powerful Palpatine is because he Palpatine has arranged the Clone Wars. I think the galaxy is just, as we know from uh, the, the films, when they just directly say the uh, dark side, of the force is rising. It's even clouding our judgment and limiting our abilities to use the force. It, 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 the entire galaxy is in turmoil and pain and that gives Palpatine nothing but power. And so I agree with you that he's at like the height of his power. You know, I rewatched it again. Cause I, I think we've, I think I've discussed this for star Wars counseling as well. And I just wanted to see if I still felt the same way. I feel like when I watch that fight, Yoda can absolutely match Palpatine, mm -hmm. but he can't beat him. Mm. And to me, that fight represents endless conflict. And they're going back and forth. You know, Yoda throws uh, the Senate pod at Palpatine. He's got that great, <laughs> has to jump. Uh, Yoda jumps back up the last beat of their actual fight. He jumps back up with his lightsaber. Uh, Palpatine blows it out of his hand. And then Palpatine's uh, doing the, the danger fingers, the Sith lightning. And Yoda is blocking it. And then there's this explosion between them. Mm. And Yoda uh, goes falling, you know, tries to hang on with his claws, gets a, yeah. a yeah. beat. Uh, you know, he's got that look of disgust at first when he's absorbing all that hatred. Mm. And then in Palpatine still just cackling away. And to me, the picture that emerges is this is the problem of the Jedi versus the Sith. This is the problem of the Clone Wars of for Yoda, conflict is an unfortunate necessity. Violence is an unfortunate necessity in this yeah. instance. For Palpatine, it's a joy. He wants to be locked in constant conflict and hate. And I think that it is Yoda's realization that I can match him. Maybe I can't take him out, but I can match him. But the conflict will just go on and on and on. And that will only give him and the dark side more power. And right now, I don't know how to get around that, you know? And then on a practical element of seeing his cloak hanging there and realizing I'm not gonna I'm not gonna save anybody by just fighting and fighting and fighting right now. And I see the cloak, I see a way out. 
maybe they'll believe I'm dead and maybe I can somehow help down the road, you know, and to your point that the, he immediately says into exile in my skull. And then that great delivery from Frank Oz of the failed I have is like, he really feels like he can't do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can't get the win. Like you said, can't get the W. Yeah. Uh, a great observation. He is meeting him beat for beat. Um, but the big picture is too much to overcome. Resetting. I mean, also with what's going on with Vader, you know? Yeah. Uh, mm. And how much is he sensing that? Yeah. And then I think uh, to uh, Frank's great point, uh, when Luke is getting advice in Return of the Jedi, um, I think Obi-Wan seems to be pretty still on the path of there is no Anakin. It's just Vader. And sadly, he does need to be destroyed uh, somehow. And, and you're the best person to do that. I think Yoda has a little bit more of an open mind. Uh, I think that's why Yoda really assigns Luke. Uh, there's that great exchange of, uh, you know, Yoda saying he doesn't, Luke doesn't require any more training. And Luke going, well, then I am a Jedi. And Yoda being like, no. no. <laughs> oh, somebody's fooled himself. And he gives, I think, Luke as his Jedi trial uh, for what, what Luke needs to do to fully become a Jedi. He doesn't need to up any more of his, uh, the stats on the back of his uh, ass kicking Jedi Knight, uh, you know, magic card. He's a powerful Jedi what Yoda knows that what Luke needs to do is figure out how to win. Mm -hmm. He knows it's a different relationship because it's his father. Uh, he knows he's sending Luke into the challenge that he Yoda couldn't figure out, you know, how, how do I do this? How do I win? Um, and I think it is the, those years of uh, thinking about this cycle of violence and realizing that Luke's relationship with Vader makes this a different story. And Yoda knows that, well, maybe maybe Luke does need to destroy uh, Vader. Maybe that does have to happen, and maybe he can, but he can't do it in anger. If he does it in anger, then all is lost again. And I think that's really what Yoda is setting up of, like, you do have to confront him. Maybe you'll defeat him. Maybe you won't, but you can't defeat him in anger, or you'll just become him. And that that's your Jedi trial, Luke. Got to break that cycle. Yeah. And maybe that's maybe that was part of Yoda's fear with Sidious too, of in that moment of like, not only am I physically quite beat up, that's a brutal fall, bounced off a lot of things. <laughs> mm -hmm. But maybe there is that like, uh, in this moment, I can't beat him without becoming him, and I don't know, I don't know how to how to move forward. So I need to go into exile and, and figure this out. Do you think at some point Yoda said, "I don't have the necessary rage needed"? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I think that Yoda might say I could do this if I tapped into my rage but that is bad don't do that don't do that don't do that yeah yeah so that's a it's very interesting good essay questions uh from our Patreon listeners that do tie together about when the Jedi make these difficult choices about uh how do they fight uh, the dark side. How do they fight the baddies, I guess. Do you have any uh, other thoughts on Frank's question about uh, Yoda's uh, choice to leave the fight? No, nah, these are these are the questions I love because I love uh, I love being challenged. I love really forcing myself to go back and analyze little moments that even I've seen over and over again and analyzed over and over again. But what else is there? What connects to the big picture? And I love that our listeners are along for that ride. So thank you, Frank and Kyle and Todd and Laura. Great stuff. Yeah, all great stuff. Uh, those are our questions uh, then for this episode, Ken. 
That's right. We're almost on the way out of here. And you can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center to join the conversation or ask us a question. You can also reach out on our Facebook page at uh, Force Center Podcast. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Podcast available a lot of different spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. We have merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Get them while they're hot. Uh, a lot of the shirts that you once loved, um, uh, Uncle Bob wrote us and said, not no, not anymore, not anymore. So, <laughs> Force Center uh, brand shirts over there right now. Uh, Patreon.com slash Force Center is where you could support us. As I said up top, I, I got a big show coming up with Mark Riley. Riley's Cantina Live on October 10th, 7 p.m. Pacific. And get information on my website, catapsock.com. Tickets available. In the events tab, special guests, special appearances by, but not limited to, Joseph Grimshaw, Jennifer Landa, Nathan Hamill, The Wangers, Rachel Cushing, and more. More announcements coming this week. Uh, again, get tickets at kenapsock.com on the events tab. Uh, we always uh, like to uh, highlight some of uh, our uh, personal charities or, or areas of import. And I am, uh, you know, uh, still focusing. I'm not done. I'm still donating. Thanks to my Twitch supporters at the California fire, uh, foundation. Uh, we're still fighting fire, fire, uh, wildfires out here. And, uh, there's been uh, a, a lot going on there. So, so you can uh, check that out at CA fire, uh, And that uh, is an organization that provides emotional and financial assistance to families of fallen firefighters and the communities they protect. Uh, Joseph, what do you have, sir? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for uh, links to uh, my other podcast, Obsessed. This week, uh, my wife and I uh, revisited Sound of Music, a film that my wife really, really loves and I have not seen in a long time. And what do you know? Like everything else, I made some Star Wars comparisons <laughs> <laughs> to Sound of Music. Uh, so you can check out Obsessed. Uh, there's also links on my website to my comedy albums and to the Adult Swim television show that I'm involved with called Tig Tone. So you can check that out if you're interested. And for myself, I am still writing a bunch of letters. There's an organization called Vote Forward uh, that has you print out uh, letters that you can add your own personal note of why you vote and just encourage other people to use their power uh, however they see fit. If you are interested in writing some letters to encourage your fellow Americans to use their power, you can check out voteforward.org. It is votefwd.org. Do it. Do it. And by do it, I mean vote. Vote. That's what Palpatine wouldn't want you to do. So go do it. All right. There you go. We are almost uh, out of here. By that, I mean we're out of here. Thank you for all <laughs> your questions. Keep playing Star Wars Squadrons. We'll see you next time here on Force. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.